My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Jackie Chu, Global Lead of Intelligence at Uber. We discuss how she started at a marketing agency out of college as an unpaid intern beginning in local SEO for franchises, as well as backlinking for lawyers, and how she has worked her way into the tech industry with roles at Yahoo, Square, Dropbox, and Uber. We get into what it's like to do SEO for very large enterprises as well as emerging tech companies, what was behind her boomerang back to Uber, as well as diversity and representation in the industry, imposter syndrome, and much more. For our topic of the day, we dive into app store optimization and discuss best practices and key differences from traditional SEO. And finally, we take your Twitter questions and award another Page 2 Podcast t-shirt. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Jackie's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey, everybody, this is Jacob Stoops back for episode number 62 of the Page Two podcast. If you don't know me, I'm a director of SEO at Search Discovery, and I am joined by my co host, uh, partner in crime, uh, Mr. Jeff Luella, senior technical SEO at the Wirecutter, a division of the New York Times. Jeff, how's it going? Hey, howdy, hey, it's doing great. Hey, howdy, hey. It's warming up down here in the south a little. I feel like uh, getting ready for spring. I hate winter, so I just like to skip it as much as I can. Yeah, well, you may or may not be able to come out depending on how quickly the COVID vaccines uh, start rolling Uh, out here. I'm I'm in Georgia. You don't believe in vaccinations? We haven't gone in. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You haven't. No, I'm in Ohio and... uh, (laughs) I, I don't know if I would say we take it more seriously, but probably more seriously than, than Georgia. In Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. Which Especially since our governor, our governor sued the mayor of Atlanta for trying to put a mask mandate in. So that's how we are down here. So it's, if you try to have any type of progress, it's, it gets stifled. Sounds, yeah. But we're turning blue. It's an interesting time. Turning, turning blue. Uh, right in the middle of those. Are you still doing the election runoffs? No, they're done. We won. Well, we, uh, that, uh, depends on who, to show who my we, political affiliation we, yeah but. right it depends on who who you define as we uh so you, you and I, and I didn't win any of it right i went out and just voted so well there yeah there you go and the funny thing about speaking of politics i uh opened up twitter slightly before uh we joined this meeting and in politics do you know what's trending erection no clue erection uh, so oh, great Apparently, Chuck Schumer, uh, instead of saying uh, the election, said the erection. So I'm not sure what oh. Mr. Schumer's got on a, got on his mind, but got getting a little bit dicey. That's one of those situations where I said, not today, Twitter, closed it back down. Not today, yeah. Twitter. 
All right. So uh, one thing uh, we want to make sure that we promote at the beginning instead of forgetting, which we usually do uh, of the episode, we remembered to do it last episode, we have a YouTube channel. So for those people that prefer to watch the podcast on YouTube and or see our beautiful faces, uh, we have a YouTube channel. Our subscriber count is still pretty low. We want more people to subscribe, please. We're begging you. We're in a we're in a dog fight with Jeff's daughter, trying to catch her yeah. in terms of number of subscribers, and she's just crushing us. Uh, so please yeah. subscribe. Hit the little she's bell. She's still so over double of us. So I know, I know, I know. Uh, good she's for 10. her though, and she's ten. <laughs> good for her. Good for her. Uh, but we just started our YouTube our YouTube channel, and she might have more original yeah. content than we do for something. That's... Hey, we've got be- we've got better guests. We've got better guests. Yeah. And uh, speaking of our guest, uh, we have Jackie Chu, uh, SEO, global SEO lead at Uber. How's it going, Jackie? Good. How are you guys? We are, we are very, very good. And I'm going to apologize if I caught you off guard with that political erection trending. I definitely didn't. That just <laughs> was literally up on the screen. And we definitely did not talk about that before we jumped on. But <laughs> that Jeff talked, it's Jeff's fault. He brought up politics and that is trending. I've never seen that trending in politics before, or at least uh, maybe not since some sort of a scandal. But uh, that was an interesting one. Um, but welcome to our show. Thanks. Uh, so excited to be here. Um, I do have a slight uh, clarification of my title. I think it's really oh, yes. confusing because this role only probably exists in like a few companies in the world. So I'm technically the global lead of uh, intelligence, which is the team that okay. drives data and tooling at Uber. Yeah, for the SEO teams. So a lead of a, cha- a like a channel of SEO, but not okay. all SEO. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yep. And I've I've failed in my pre-research yet again. That reminds me of the time when I did not think to ask ahead of time how to pronounce uh, Jamie. I pronounced it Alberico live during the episode, and she pretty quickly uh, corrected me. Actually, it's Alberico. So you would think that I would have learned my lesson on double-checking people's titles as well as name pronunciations uh and and i will say uh one of our guests mark uh mark alves uh from a couple of episodes ago thank god he gave me the pronunciation of his name ahead of time because i would have pronounced it alvis alves i would have butchered it uh and he was also one and again i thank him uh because he definitely keeps me on the right side of the law with uh with respect to things that lead to general awkwardness. Uh, Like, for example, I had a habit of uh, not with male guests, but with female guests for starting it off with miss or like fumbling to missus or like, what should I, what should I say? And finally he just, because I, I had done it so many times, he privately messaged me and said, dude, don't just like, maybe don't even do that. And I was like, you know what? You're, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So yeah, that's a little bit of a bit of behind the scenes of the evolution of me not fumbling through uh, people's introductions. And here I did it again. But can you see, can you say Gary's last name? Oh Gary my God. Isles, Isles, Ilyas, <laughs> Ilyas, Isles, Ilyas. not confirm or deny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's one of maybe probably none of those things. Jeff, I've actually, I, I actually watched a video where he pronounced it, and and I was just like, I don't, yeah, it's, I, 
if I didn't see it at all, then I could probably, and he told me it, I would understand it. But after reading it and then saying it, it's, but yeah, so, I'm not a hundred percent sure. This brings up a funny. We need to get story. him on. Yeah, well, yes, uh, yeah, I would love to. We actually asked him on, and uh, one time, and he said no. But you know who would be great, Martin, and that's why Martin came on. Uh, and Martin was a, a fantastic episode, and I learned that he was a magician as well. So yeah. that's something that you he was doing magic yeah, tricks for. That us. was pretty cool. Uh, but this actually, and I promise, we're going to get to SEO. Uh, brings up uh, a funny story. We have an employee at our company. Uh, and his last name uh, is, uh, it's not Levitas, but everybody in the company has been pronouncing it Levitas ever since he uh, got here. And only recently did somebody to me, even him, he's never actually pointed it out, I don't think, uh, until recently to somebody at the company. And he's like, actually, it's Levitas. And that was a shock to me because I because I had to correct somebody the other day and go, no, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Levitas. And she was like, nope, it's Levitas. And I'm like, I've been calling him the wrong name this whole time and he's never corrected me. Uh, it reminds me of the episode of uh, Friends where Chandler is just called Toby and he never corrects him and he's just Toby. So poor, poor Mr. Levitas or Levitas uh, at our company is is now the the Toby of our company. So I don't know. I, I feel nice. I felt personally bad about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's talk some uh, some SEO. But before we uh, jump into uh, into Jackie's background, uh, we are going to, as we do every week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about diversity, and specifically, we're going to talk about United Search uh, and do our our live read because we're uh, and we're really hoping that this is kind of helping growing uh, their audience uh, and their visibility um, because it is something near and dear to our dear to our heart. So, uh, for anyone that's looking to get into conference uh, conference speaking, uh, hopefully this appeals to you. So. Are you looking to break into the SEO conference speaking circuit, but not sure how? Are you feeling that you are not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and you want to change that? We at the Page Two Podcast would like to take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA plus and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo uh, is diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and the network they need to land gigs all at no cost to the student. How does this work? Pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to an amazing community of SEO professionals. 
What does this mean for our podcast? As a sponsor and advocate, we are committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast. And we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented underrepresented groups, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA+, as well as representation for people with disabilities and those who are 55 plus and older. If this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a mentor or a student, or visit them on Twitter at search underscore united. So almost perfect. I still, every week I I tend to, for whatever reason, stumble on the word underrepresented. Uh, And not only that, something that, uh, that I think is, I don't know how radio hosts do it or people that read ads regularly, uh, but like, it's really hard to do that and not take a breath or like swallow. So like, if you see me there struggling to struggling to get through that read, uh, it's because I'm literally like trying not to swallow and make that weird swallowing sound. And I do it every time. So super, (laughs) super vulnerable and embarrassing, but it's for a good cause. That's why you do the read. Yeah. Jeff, you should do the read next time. We'll see how you do it. I'll have to (laughs) pre-record it and just hit play. There you go. Um, Okay. So Jackie, uh, let's put the focus on you. Uh, So you are in the hot seat uh, and we want to know what is your SEO kind of superhero origin story? Uh, I don't know about superhero origin, uh, but I kind of got into SEO originally um, working for a marketing agency as like an unpaid intern or I was paid, but it was like 200 bucks for like two months back when that was legal. Uh, And, you know, they did SEO for franchises. So I was pretty much copying and pasting the same like block of content for local SEO and just switching out the city because that worked at that time. So that gives you a little bit of context of when I started my SEO journey. Um, and then I ended up working for a backlink agency for lawyers. For, uh, so that was kind of like my first official SEO role, um, full-time SEO role. So I was just doing backlink building and this is when distilled with search love. Um, and then I decided that I'm not really into backlink building. <laughs> Uh, I definitely think it's a superpower in SEO if you're really good at it and you can make a lot of money, but um, it just became increasingly less interesting for me, especially, you know, in the legal space, you're just like over and over again, like thinking about like personal injury words. Um, and so then I started working for another small boutique agency for Orange County, hated that, <laughs> moved to a larger media company um, in L.A., And then I ended up working for like two different media companies in LA and I really, really liked it. I was lucky to work with um, incredible teams. Uh, Also got to do a lot of the analytics works myself because um, the teams tended to be a lot smaller. There was, you know, maybe 10, 20 people I was working with max across the company. So it was great because I got a a lot of ownership between like content and SEO and the product teams, the analytic teams. And then for the past six years or so, I've been working in the tech industry in San Francisco. Um, My fiance actually moved up to San Francisco first. I I kind of followed him, which he finds he finds that statement really contentious because he's like, you didn't come here for me. You came here for yourself. Uh, But he was like, hey, are you are you you going to ever like, you know, come up to San Francisco? uh, you know, we we'd originally met in LA. Uh, and so I kind of waited until I got a really good job. I was like, okay, well, if I want to afford to live out there, I need to probably work in a tech company. And so then Square came along and that's kind of, um, you know, been my trajectory ever since. And now I'm, now I'm at Uber. <laughs> so let me ask, because I, uh, as somebody who is 
only been to California in the airports, uh, but you hear, <laughs> right. Oh, you I, have I, to come. It's so I know. Good. Well, yeah, I would love to. Amazing. I would love to go there. So I've heard it is. Um, the, 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 the drinking culture. <laughs> I would love to go to wine country. Uh, of of oh, course, that, so would be, bad. that would be amazing. Uh, and we were before COVID because my, my father-in-law is a huge, um, wino is that the right word wino somebody that yes uh i don't think he would ever say that about himself but this guy has literally like four five six hundred bottles of wine in his basement like he's like he's the type of guy that goes into uh goes into like a you know a a restaurant or like a a a wine tasting event and comes away like with like, yeah, I bought a case here. I bought a case here. I bought like three <laughs> cases. And you're like, holy shit. How did you like, first off, how do you afford that? And two, like you came out of that with like four cases based on like a wine tasting. So yeah, he's a, he, maybe other people do that. That's just not me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a wino or a wine connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, he has, <laughs> he has a lot of, a lot of wine. He specifically co- co- uh, collects Barolos. Um but that's neither that that is completely sideways from the question I was going to ask is, you know, you hear a lot of things about what tech is like out in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And there's obviously a lot of emerging companies out there. Square being a great example, Uber being a great example of that. And I guess I would ask is, are the things that you as somebody that has worked with big tech that you hear from the outside looking in about the culture, how true is that and what has been kind of your experience? Uh, now I'll, I'll no, say I'm leaning na- like I hear a lot of negative things. <laughs> oh, I make I make fun of tech culture. Okay, all the time. You know, like uh, in a lot of ways, we're so spoiled. Like I have a very distinct memory at one of the other companies I was at. You know, most of the tech companies they had a very big like food culture. Um, it's a really good way to like do recruiting and like recruiting is a really big focus of these tech companies because they really just can't hire like fast enough. And there's always hundreds of headcount open. Um, so like who has the best food in Silicon Valley is always like a really big hot topic. Uh, but they also have like tend to have like big like micro kitchens too. So micro kitchens um, are pretty much places where you can grab snacks. And you'll hear people say things like, oh, I have to go to the other micro kitchen to get the oat milk <laughs> or something like that. Like people do definitely get really spoiled about like about the food situation um, or when they took the juice juice bar away at square that was like really contentious but you know a lot of people to be fair like are really good at checking them um like we even had we even had like uh free little like gum packs like full-on gum packs for a while and then they got rid of them they like they did single place like single piece gums and somebody was like why did we get rid of the gum packs like and somebody responded this was like all like a public q a form um somebody responded hey there's like a walgreens across the street you can like maybe go get some gum yourself so <laughs> i will say for the most part like you know these are definitely like anomalies there's definitely some people who are like privileged but for the most part they're um anomalies because you know i think it's just hard for people if they don't have work experience that's outside attack you know some people are able to get in the door like right away and their first work experience is like let's say they're a software engineer in tech um that means like they're they probably come in making like you know over 100k a year uh, in base comp. This is like their first job in the world. They have like no other comparison point. They think that this is just like the world. And I'm like, hey, this is this is not the real world. In the real world, people don't get served like shrimp for for lunch. <laughs> but I will say on the positive side too, people are 
so incredibly um, generous and like thoughtful and giving. So for example, a really, a great example of this is when we're at Dropbox and Dropbox has like an amazing culture. Um, when COVID happened, the actual first question most of the employees were lobbying at the CEO was what, what about, you know, like we're work from home. Are you guys going to pay the people who maintain the building? And actually it was the employees that was pushing Dropbox to um, continue paying the employees who were, you know, like everyone from the uh, cafeteria to like, you know, people who clean up the facilities, they were really pushing them to actually like maintain their paychecks. So I will say in some ways, you know, some ways definitely just as obnoxious as all the rumors, (laughs) but in a lot of ways too, there's a lot of incredibly intelligent, smart, generous people who, um, yeah, it's just such a privilege to like learn from them. It's it's a very unique, unique place because it's definitely not representative of the real world by any means. I was in a position where I was, though I was the SEO director, we were a very small company. So that was kind of like the number two position. There was only 12 people at that company. And so I, I, I was someone trying to bring in like all that snack culture and things like that. And, and then I would get in trouble for not having like gluten-free or not having, and I'm like, oh, so then I order like apple crisps and uh, they weren't the right type. And I'm just like, you know what? This is way harder than <laughs> to please everybody, you know? So, but we found the right blend. Um, everything even down to like the hand soap in the office. We had to go with like, you know, some organic brand or something. Free trade. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun experience to, to, to do that and, and try to figure that stuff out. I couldn't imagine doing that at like a thousand person company. I think it's an amazing job. I remember I used to go uh, like purposefully walk past uh, some of the like office experience desks because they're constantly getting hawked. Like just like in the way that we get hawked, like, you know, SAS, they're constantly getting hawked like different snacks and drinks. I'm like, hey, do you need some help? Like, I would love to give you my opinion on which like coconut chips we should like bring into the (laughs) office space. I was like, sounds like the life. Yeah. These are really first world first world problems true first world for problem. sure true first world problems but it does sound like you've got some really really like good-hearted people uh at dropbox so that is encouraging to hear because you do hear all of these like really slimy stories uh you know coming from some of these tech companies that have created uh a hustle culture or like a bro culture or like a sexual abuse culture. Like, so it is actually, it's encouraging to hear that there are actually within some of these companies, uh, good people. Uh, yeah. was definitely not expecting, expecting that. <laughs> oh, so many good people, like some of the most like incredible, smartest, most generous people, like you would not even believe how, how generous some of these people are like at, like it's a lot of the companies will also do like donation matching mm-hmm. and um, there is a huge push for internally at pretty much all the companies if, or if your company doesn't already like do some kind of like match with your donation that they, they want to match. And there was like a lot of people at Dropbox who um, if you donated uh, the Dropbox would double and they would max out the max contribution every year. So a lot of these people are like incredibly generous, incredibly giving. Um, and I just think, I just think the natural, you know, there's always going to be stinkers at every single company, but I think it's particularly dangerous when the people who are stinkers are also like very intelligent and have high intellectual mm-hmm. horsepower. <laughs> so I yeah. think that's just like a, a casualty of, of kind of the, the landscape, but I would say that they're few and far between 
a lot more yeah. like incredible, amazing partners. And um, yeah, I feel very lucky to be here. So, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I oh, said, that's great. That's yeah. good to hear. That is good to hear. So I think one of the things that I'm, that I'm really interested in is I, I feel like you've worked for, so Square, Dropbox, Uber, uh, you know, these are all companies that, especially with Square and Uber, um, over the course of like the last four to five years have been, 10 years ago, these weren't things. Uh, it, this They didn't exist. Uh, you know, these companies ha- have grown tremendously. Um, and part of me wonders, like, what is it like to be for a company that is, that is, so cutting edge, emerging, growing so quickly, like how do you wrap your arms around an SEO strategy for these types of companies? Yeah, totally. So I think I would, I would first personally, just having been inside probably separate Square and Uber a little bit. I think Square has had incredible growth trajectory, um, largely due in part, I think to, to Jack, like he's definitely a dreamer. Like when he was full on Bitcoin, Apple Pay, he's like, all these things are going to happen. And, you know, people are kind of like, eh. but I think that he's done such a good job of like balancing, um, being forward thinking, and then like keeping himself surrounded with realists. But but Square, I think is, is a little bit different in that they're actually a pretty small site. Uh, when I was there, I think we were only in five countries, and we ended up actually deprecating our um, global expansion team because um, the kind of difference between Square and like Shopify is Square, since they're a in-person payments company, there's a lot of compliance that has to happen with like creating hardware country to country. So there's a lot of friction to entering a new market. Whereas you know, if you're accepting online payments, it's it's a lot less seamless to enter a new market. But like like for example, you know we have like PCI compliance. I know the other. Um, in Australia, there's like a special kind of like debit. I think it was a debit system, if I recall correctly. Um, so, so all those nuances made it really hard to enter new markets. So we're really only in five countries. So if you think about it, like B2B SaaS, five countries, um, and most of the product range was available in English speaking countries. So it wasn't that much, you know, it's like a thousand page site. So in, in, in actually the big scheme of things, it was quite a small company, um, in that way. Yeah. So so that was really exciting. I, I mean, I think of when I was at Square, I couldn't even like fully appreciate what Square w- would become mm-hmm. in the future. Uh, you know, when I was there, it was still pretty small. I feel like it was like a few thousand, couple thousand people, and now it's like probably three times bigger. Um, but yeah, so Square, so Square took a much more like they took a few big bets, and they were like less diversified. But I think they were really had really good business acumen. So um, it was kind of just more like B two B SaaS at Square, I would say. Uh, I would say Uber is like much more different. I think we're a much more diversified company. We're in a lot of different countries Mm -hmm. and we definitely are much more of like a a grow fast and break things kind of culture. Um, Like I think at Square, I was only working across three CMS, three CMS systems at the time. Um, At Uber, there was a time when I was, I think, hitting like 20, uh, which as an SEO person, you can imagine is is pretty scary. Yeah. Um, like at Square, like we had like very uh, high vigor analytics because, um, you know, like for example, if we had a brand campaign, uh, the analytics team would go like down to the zip code of where we were um, showing that radio campaign and then like reconcile the traffic from, you know, that, that like had p- been picked up in organic 
back to like the brand campaign, the TV campaign, you know, at Uber, we actually really didn't have like a lot of like the really basic, even like web data at the time, just because, you know, we're, we're such an app heavy company um, and we mostly relied on our own internal data. And so it's just like totally different worlds. Uh, but yeah, so, so Uber is super fun because there's like so much different like SEO you can do here. There's like a little bit of B2B for Uber for business. There's, um, you know, Uber Freight, which is like a really exciting new vertical. And then you have everything from like Uber Eats, I think, which is like the obvious SEO play. Uh, and then Uber Rides, which is like more of a creative SEO play. So I think, you know, there's there's always something to keep you keep you busy. <laughs> and one of the, and I'm going to cat, um, uh, uh, prime the prime the pump for kind of the core topic. We're going to talk a lot about app store optimization. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to like I don't want to bury the lead for when we get into that. But a lot of SEOs think of SEO in the sense of like you have a website and you optimize it. But with a business like Uber, where you've got everybody, I don't know what percentage of your users using in finding the website versus interacting with the app. But I don't remember a time uh, when I've actually interacted with the website, but I've interacted with the app all a ton. So when your users might be a lot like me, how do you spend most of your days optimizing? Is it more website focused or like, do you spend a lot of time working on the app? Yeah, so uh, I've definitely done ASO at both, I was pretty much the only person doing ASO Square and Dropbox. Um, at Uber, we actually do have an ASO team who once in a while, like I partner with if they need some help from like a search SEO perspective, uh, because they're kind of ASO, um, their background is ASO, and that's like the majority of their background. So if they ever need help with like concepts around search or like identifying patterns, that's where like the SEO team can be really helpful, just because there is a lot of like, um, regardless of the search engine, whether it's, you know, Google or like Google Play, which are all different different systems, um, the concepts of search remain the same, and like how search tends to progress and evolve also remains the same because like these concepts of like information retrieval just are generally the same across all these platforms. So SEO is I think really well poised to, to either um, influence ASO or I think also to like in a smaller company where we don't have a dedicated team. I actually think it's very reasonable for an SEO person to pick that work up. So at Uber, I mostly work on the website. (laughs) That's yeah, that's interesting. Um, Diving back into your kind of career path. um, When I when I was doing kind of my pre episode prep, one of the things I noticed is that you were at Uber, and then you went to Dropbox, and then you came back. Um, It's not at least I haven't seen a lot of people that we've talked to boomeranging back to a company. It's usually you spend your time there, however long it is that you move on to a different company. So as somebody that has boomeranged back, kind of what was, what went into that for for you and what was that like? Yeah. uh, So I am an Uber boomerang. It actually happens not super infrequently. Um, I actually work with one engineering manager and one other person in the performance marketing team who just recently ranked back a few days ago. So I, I left Uber, I want to say like a little like a year and a half or so ago. At the time, you know, our the SEO team was mega regional. So I was the global SEO lead for USCA. There was a global lead for LATAM. There was a global lead for EMEA. Um, and that, in addition to like, just like the work that was ahead, you know, the reality was like, I just didn't think, you know, as like a 
fairly senior marketing manager, but still not in like a very leadership position. I was like, I don't think that I can really truthfully affect the change that's going to be needed to be big enough for it to matter to Uber. I was like, we need like a various serious like overhaul of our website, of our like analytics architecture. And as like a mid-range manager, like that's just like, <laughs> that was not going to happen for me. I was like, I see the mountain. I cannot move it from where I am. So I was like, you know what? I think it's time to move on and we're going to Dropbox. Um, and the reason why I came back to Uber was because uh, uh, Dara is actually the old CEO of Expedia. And he... Um, actually hired a bunch of the TripAdvisor leaders to come into Uber. Uh, so it's everyone from like, you know, web infrastructure to actually like their old SEO lead as well. So that's like my current boss. And they're actually a really big part of why I came back because I was like, okay, um, they understand the investment that's needed at the scale for it to be big enough to matter. Um, and like, I just thought that there, I would have a lot to learn. You know, I think TripAdvisor also had like a really strong culture and just, you know, quick little shout out. If you guys wanted to know, we're actually hiring for two tech SEO headcounts. <laughs> we're really nice. deeply investing in SEO. Yeah. And um, I think Dara secretly has a, a lot of respect for the uh, trip culture just because um, I think they definitely caused him some pain when he was the CEO of Expedia, if you can appreciate so, I mean, that's a big part why I came back. You know, I was like, I always knew that like uh, Uber has incredible potential from an SEO perspective, but to get it right at this scale involves an incredible amount of like engineering investment and like data investment. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I thought that finally all the starts had aligned, the support was there, the like executive buy-in was there and I didn't have to do any of it. So, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I was going to say you've, um, Working in a big enterprise, um, if there's anything that's present in my experience, it's been loads and loads and loads of red tape and mm -hmm. stakeholders uh, and figuring out how to navigate that is the key to success more so mm -hmm. than any tactical recommendation. It's soft skills, making relationships and the best, the best SEOs at functioning in that environment, doing those things uh, aren't necessarily the best SEOs when it comes to like, hey, I can do all of this technical wizardry or I can do all of, the, I, I create the best content or I'm the best at offsite, you know, promotion and linking and PR. Uh, it's a relationships game, especially when you're getting um, at that level. And, you know, you probably know way, way better than, way better than me being in those, you know, those types of organizations. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, oh, so much that I, so much that I want to ask and I, I want to make sure that we're kind of staying on topic, but I do want to ask, um, we speak a lot about diversity. We speak about representation within the industry. Um, we've got an interesting question, uh, coming, uh, coming later on in Twitter, uh, about mentorship. So maybe I'll just back <laughs> it up, back it up. A really interesting. Good. To, we could have an entire episode on the question that's asked later. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the current state, uh, of the industry with respect to representation and diversity. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, 
it's pretty tough. I mean, like most of us have been to SEO conferences and, you know, just like thinking back to like my own experience, there's actually only like one person I've ever seen on stage who, who looked like me. And that'd be Steph Chang, who's like, she's, I don't think she's even doing SEO anymore. Um, she was doing SEO at the time for Distilled and then went to Etsy. I think she does more like before, like uh, she's like in a performance marketing leadership role now. Um, so I'm, I'm so super happy for her. It looks like her scope has increased, but I just think that there's so much that we have to, to add to the SEO space. And it's something that I know that I have personally really felt just because, you know, a lot of times people, I can't even describe the amount of times I've heard people have written in my interviews or like um, when they first meet me, like, you know, go reach out to my boss and say like, are you sure? And like, why would they say that? You know, or like one of my negative feedbacks for when I was getting interviewed was like giggles too much. I'm like, would you have ever said that about a man? Like, I'm sorry. I, I have a sense of humor like that's sorry, a really like, odd that's thing not to real say. negative. I giggle feedback. tons too. Jeff yeah, does so, giggle a lot. <laughs> but I definitely, I can think of like probably at least three really distinct moments where I had wow. it had come back to me that you know someone who had met me in our initial like one on one, you know, reached out to my boss and said like, "Are you sure?" And that's crazy. Like someone to have like an entire background of SEO to have like a non SEO stakeholder reach out and say like, "Are you are you sure about this person?" Just because. I don't fit like the packaging that you would expect. But the funny thing is, I actually think that to your point, like about being successful in big companies, a lot of it is is this uh, soft skills. I definitely agree. I think that's actually been my superpower. It's something that I think I used to be very self-conscious about because my mentors and the people that I look up to and admire, they're actually much more of like the like super nerds of SEO. You know, they go to like the SEO Oktoberfest and they're like plotting an R for fun on Tuesdays. Like, and I think it always used to kind of um, like really kill me. That I was like, I was like, I'm never going to be like this person. I'm just like, not, I'm not, I'm not like that. Uh, and then I kind of realized, I think the superpower that I had was making um, the ability to make people uh, excited about SEO that otherwise wouldn't have been excited about SEO. And then being able to break it down into simple concepts, maybe um, the data science lead <laughs> didn't find me quite as personal, but, but I was, you know, fairly effective in being able to, you know, get across to like a marketing leadership and like the product marketing managers. And so I really think that um, one, I, I think it'll give people a lot of confidence if they see, you know, us be vocal about uh, the fact that like, you know, that feeling of like insecurity, imposter syndrome, we all feel it and we've all felt it. Like you're not crazy. It's not just in your head. Um, but if you keep at it and you don't let it discourage you, I think that you can have like a really incredible career in SEO. Yeah, I feel like um, I, it's funny. I was just talking with somebody um, about imposter syndrome, not that they were feeling uh, just the other just the other day. And we talk about imposter syndrome on this podcast um, if not every episode, every other episode, it's it's a really common theme uh, in this industry, and it's in part, um, I think, because of the the evolution of the culture from the very beginning of the industry till now. But also in part because there's uh, there are a lot of really smart people, and there's Twitter, uh, and that seems oh, to be SEO where Twitter. <laughs> SEO Twitter where things congregate, and there are a lot of people that showcase their uh, you know their expertise uh on twitter and just scrolling through twitter every day i get imposter syndrome probably every day <laughs> every day going god damn it why am i why am i not so as smart as uh jr oaks or whoever uh, building his own internet like i'm never going to be able to do that and i think like i've finally come to the realization that like i can 
like my clients like me, they find me to be an effective SEO. We get good results. So like I've come to the realization that of course I want to learn more, but it's okay to just be me. Um, and it's, it's okay. Uh, yep. you know, it's okay to have imposter syndrome and, and, um, it's, so it's just, that's probably, it's okay. That's probably the best thing that I, that I can say. It's okay to be comfortable in your, in your own skin. Well, um, Jake, as, as Twitter SEOs say, you know, those who can SEO, those who can't do a podcast. Oh so. yeah. We, yep. We, I forget who it was. <laughs> I actually think it might be one of our new followers on our, our podcast handle. And I just happened on Twitter and saw that. And I, it made me laugh. Those who can't do SEO podcasts. So here we are. Here we are. Uh, if you're that person, I actually, I don't remember the name of the person <laughs> who did it, but I thought it was, it did give me a giggle uh, and then made me feel imposter syndrome. So thank you for both things. The good news is we can't pa- podcast right either. So it's <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, so Jackie, I, I definitely don't want to gloss over what you had said also about like, are you sure giggling giggling too too much like for one like i don't know who would go to anybody with that constructive feedback so whoever did that takes a lot of gall uh is the only thing that i would say and i would just say like of course on behalf of all the idiots out there really sorry that you went went through that or had to kind of deal with that but as two middle-aged white guys sitting on a sitting on a podcast every week like what (laughs) what can we do? We asked Amanda Jordan the same question. What can we do on our side to, to continue to, to be better ourselves as well as to continue to kind of further the evolution of the industry to get to a place uh, where, where women, people of color under basically any underrepresented group outside of middle-aged white guys can feel like they belong uh, and they aren't being excluded and there is diversity. Yeah, so I think um, particularly for women, they find places like Twitter to be hostile just because, you know, I think some things get lost in translation with that short character count, but sometimes people just are asking for help. And I think that a lot of times the default SEO Twitter answer is like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't know that. Well, obviously that's so old. It's like sometimes people are just asking for help. Like you're not creating a space in which... Uh, people feel okay, like admitting like, hey, I don't know this. And that's kind of like a big part of growth, like learning what you don't know. Um, But I would say like one of the biggest, the best ways I really do believe is like mentorship, right? And maybe it's not about SEO. Maybe it's like how to start your own consultancy, how to build your personal brand. Like I think how to negotiate, that's something that women tend to not do. Um, And I just think it's, you know, like, I think there's like some statistics out there that are like most men negotiate and like most women just take their first offer (laughs) when they first start getting out of school. Like they don't even think that they can ask for more. If anything, they're just like, oh, I'm going to like hurt their feelings. And that's, that's not true. Um, So I, I think it's like mentorship, but then also, you know, if you're a hiring manager and you have six, seven to eight direct reports and they all kind of look the same, uh, I think that's where you as a hiring manager have to say like, Hey, how am I, how am I like, uh, you know, kind of like spreading this and like continuing this. Um, I think hiring managers also have like one of the uh, best powers because I think that's the way that you really lift people up, right? Like opportunity. Um, So that's something I definitely try to look for in my like personal teams as well. So what if you're me or Jeff, not not a hiring manager, um, but certainly a participant in SEO Twitter 
you know, I, uh, you know, I, I'm leading a team now. How can I help foster like better conversations? Of course, more diversity. And, and of course, like I've had my, my say on like who I think we should hire and what types of people and so on and so forth. So I have a certain amount of say, but like not the final say. So as somebody without the final say, but who is responsible for helping a team grow and evolve, uh, you know, on all sides of the, the fence, um, what would, you know, how do, if you were advising me on how to be like better, what would you say to me? <laughs> I mean, somebody doesn't have to be on your team for you to offer them mentorship. You could even, I mean, like, I imagine that there's a world in which you know, I dream for a world in which people could just see like, oh, hey, you're doing like interesting stuff. I can tell from like looking at your Twitter feed. Let me know if you ever want to like spitball in, like a safe place. Because I think that's something that also women are very afraid of. They're afraid of like, just like, admitting what they don't know and they think that like, like oh this is just me I'm the only person who doesn't know this um and I I think if you just even like offer up that that like mentorship even if it's something like really casual like hey do you want to chat like every every other week maybe for like 30 minutes I'd be happy to like help you with like career stuff um I think that that's something that they would that would be really appreciated because I think a lot of people just like uh really just are in their own minds about this. And like, again, they feel like they're going crazy because they feel like it's just them, it's just them. And then you think you can just realize that it's, it's, it's not just them. So I don't think someone needs to be on your team for you to mentor them. Um, there's a lot of people I only talk to maybe like once a month, but I consider them to be like very important figures to like my personal development. So um, maybe just try to find ways to make it uh, work in your schedule, work in your lifestyle and like make it authentic to you. But I think that um, if you just find someone who's like, even just something small, like you just notice that they're doing great things, just just like complimenting them, being like, hey, you're doing great stuff. I just think sometimes like we think that and we don't tell people that they're doing a great job. And I think that that too, like just making an effort so that people know that they're doing a great job, that they're doing interesting things. Um, and like, I think you're already doing something great, which is like you're giving people a platform and like amplifying their voices. So I think you're already doing a great job. I think you're being too hard on yourself. <laughs> no, and I, I want to clarify, like, of course that applies to me, but of course I was asking also on behalf of the the greater audience who may be in a similar position, um, position to me. Um, but I'm absolutely 100% a big believer in the power of, the word thank you uh and of course uh complimenting like those are two really powerful things that sometimes you, you know when you're going through going through something you're just in your day-to-day -day, you're not like you, you know you're really focused on okay i gotta get this next deliverable out or this next deliverable out sometimes especially as a leader like you you forget to like poke your head up and recognize the people around you that are making it happen uh, and that are working just as hard and the power of saying, Hey, you did a great job or thank you for going above and beyond. Like it just sometimes get gets lost and people in my experience, like, of course they're thankful, but they don't always say it. And verbalizing that can really mean a lot, um, a lot to people's confidence for sure. I have an uh, issue on the other side of, I, I don't know how to take a compliment. I do too. Yeah. I'm, I it's like someone's that. like, you did great. I'm, I'm like, really okay, bad. let's go on. I'm really tell, bad at that too. <laughs> yeah. But, but tell me what I did wrong, please. So I can improve yeah. it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, oh my God. I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I have a really hard time with that. Um, I've got two more questions. Then I want to, then, then I want to allow us to jump into app store and then we've got amazing Twitter questions. So my, Two, it's a two-part question. 
what do you feel like has been your biggest success in SEO and maybe your biggest failure? Okay, biggest success in SEO. Uh, I want to, so one, I think, you know, I think like I talk about Squirt often, but that's because I feel like I took a very active part in changing SEO's like contribution to Square. Um, and because Square has become this like incredible like power in the force of tech that like, probably is beyond my imagination. Uh, like I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that was actually um, a big part of like upmarket revenue were like my projects. So, so they're just something that I'm like incredibly proud of just because, you know, they still do really well. Uh, and they drove, you know, almost half of upmarket revenue for Square, which was, you know, the majority of money that was coming into Square at the time. You know, cash a lot of these products at the time, um, maybe more so now because they have like Bitcoin trading and whatnot. Um, I don't really fully understand how that works. Uh, but at the time, it was really big, like, you know, that wasn't happening. And so um, I think that, th that I'm really proud of that. It was everything from, you know, making sure that our like SaaS products, like payroll did really well. Like I think, you know, one article I had done was driving like over 30% of all of their um, page views for their product. Uh, and so that was really cool. I mean, it became such an important part of their acquisition funnel that they made it like an OKR to update this article. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, and then also hearing like Sarah Fryer and like who was the CFO at the time, you know, saying like, we're doing a great job and that was awesome. Um, and, you know, of course, winning like point of sale visibility. I'm really, really proud of that too. A lot of that had to do with like, you know, website architecture, like, building internal linking tools, um, as well as like building like top of funnel content. Uh, I would say uh, my biggest regrets with SEO, I'm not even sure if it's like a regret. So I will say, I will say there's probably stuff I can talk about in the future. I can't talk about like everything because obviously I would say like there's, there's probably something that I would say, oh, I could have handled that better. The first yes, time. please, <laughs> please talk all the shit about your current job. No, no, I'm joking. no I'm joking. it's about me. Or, it's or, my or, biggest or, regret. It's totally yeah. about me. But I would say the thing that <laughs> caused those regrets, I can't say like the actual thing. The thing that caused those sure. regrets was my unwillingness to like escalate situations because I cared so much about my personal relationships with people. I think this is a really tough thing when you really, really care about um, who you're working with and you've built like a really strong a relationship with them but I think sometimes too your your desire to protect your relationship can make it so that you're like not escalating a situation that really needs to be escalated because it's beyond your control to fix um but you care so much about not getting someone in trouble uh you know not making your own team look bad like all these things and I think that sometimes though the right thing to do is to like escalate a situation to somebody who can fix it um so I think most of my my regrets are probably with that just because I think it like kind of drags on uh probably organizational changes that should happen faster um so I think that that most of my SEO regrets are are centered around that it's like the around the uh something I definitely try to work on personally is around um having those kind of like uh, radical candor feedback. <laughs> like, how do you like how do you give really tough feedback to people, but do it in a um, way that they know that you like really care about them and their personal development? The funny thing is, I bet if uh, for a listener of the podcast, that's not the answer they would have expected. Uh, you know, <laughs> most people would have probably thought, "Oh, she screwed up this title tag, and it or or she." Uh, did a, a migration and migration went sideways. Uh, and that is not, um, it, it's a common issue, not the, the common answer. I would say that we would get to that question, but I think it's really important and something I think we've all 
um, probably experience from from time to time. And like people tend to think of tactics and strategies uh, around SEO uh, and sometimes forget, like I, we talked about earlier, the people component. Uh, it's it's about people and sometimes uh, about helping those people grow and having hard conversations. Jeff, you want to talk App Store? Yeah. So App Store optimization. Um, it, it's funny because every time we hear something new, like SEO is dead kind of article, <laughs> it's like there's more and more types of search engines more like than ever, right? You know, it's like besides your typical Google search, you know, then they would go into image search and then like Amazon store search, but apps are huge these days. So um, trying to optimize your app to get to number one and I've never had an app, so I have zero experience in any of this. Um, and most of my clients who have an app, it's just like a, a version of their website in a container that, <laughs> that's really not like a real app. Uh, so what are like some of the, I guess some of the tactics or some things that are different from normal SEO compared to App Store SEO, what are some of the things that are the same? Yeah, so there's like so much where there's the same. I really truly, truly believe that like most people who are active SEO practitioners can do um, App Store optimization just because it's a lot like doing SEO, but except instead of having like different pages that rank for different terms, you're just trying to get one page to rank for a lot of terms. So that it's like a little more seedy in that aspect. In that, you know, um, the the data is a little bit less clear. But first I'll say, uh, so you have, you know, Google Play and you have, you know, the Apple App Store. Um, so even between those two, they're a little bit different. Um, so I guess I'll start with iOS. iOS is always really interesting from a business perspective because it just tends to be, you know, smaller penetration. Um, but it tends to be like much like the people who use iOS just tend to be a higher LTV. This is like pretty much true across every single company I've ever worked at. Uh, people who have, you know, iPhones just tend to um, be more meaningful to the business over time, and, but there's just like less of them uh, globally. So for iOS, they're much more simplistic in how they've approached search. So they're much more nascent. Like for example, you know, you have things like the app title, which is very similar to SEO because you can just put keywords in there. So for Dropbox, you'd be like a Dropbox free cloud storage or whatever you wanted to put in there. Um, and it's it's pretty funny because I think the the most telling um, thing you can tell about the iOS and like how they're like why they're really nascent is like for example they used to let you have that title field be 250 characters. And as an SEO person, uh, if you knew that that slot was like the biggest ranking factor for for iOS outside of like downloads, um, that's a lot of space for you to spam. <laughs> and you know if you get if you give people in search leeway and runway to spam, we're gonna do it because it's working. <laughs> so uh, you know at the time they had 250 characters, and then they shortened it to like something like 100 characters, and then they're like 50, and then like they're like 25. Let's just give them just barely enough space to uh, say what their app title is and like not give them extra space. So I feel like that's like a really telling uh a telling um it's telling of where ios is as far as their like ability to handle search because they can't even like handle synonyms right now basically um they're very very literal and so you know there's like the title you can put keywords in there next to your app name um the ios store also has like a meta keyword slot so that's like a hundred character slot so you can't actually see that and i would say unlike normal seo it actually is impactful like you do rank for words in your meta keyword slot so you should definitely fill it up um it's super literal uh you don't want to use up any spaces so just use up the hundred characters to you yeah. know 
stuff in all your other keywords. Uh, and then the description of the app store, they don't even read it. Like they don't even consider it for the um, iOS. So that's where I'm like, wow. that's where I'm like, it's very, very literal right now. And so as an SEO person, if you've ever done like the spam, like the slightest bit of spammy SEO, this is like a walk in the park for you. <laughs> like you wish SEO was still like this, but it's just not. But I just think it's just like a natural evolution of how search evolves, right? Because even between Google Play and, and the actual like Google search, um, like, you know, normal Google search, like those are different teams. They're not using the Google search <laughs> algorithms. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting because you can see like just like a natural evolution of search. Um, iOS, you can iOS basically just recently started having the feature and able to like ability to rank for words, not directly in the title. So it seems like they're just starting to understand like, oh, what are synonyms? Like before, like you were not ranking for POS unless you put um, POS in your title, but then they're like, oh, right. okay, point of sale equals POS. Um, so iOS is just a lot more literal. Uh, the other main difference is that the um, number one ranking factor for probably across like most stores, but definitely for iOS is actually like download velocity. So you need a significant amount of downloads. If you don't have um, anywhere near as much downloads as the competitors you're trying to outrank, you're just like not going to rank in ASO and you should just stop. But that being said, the positive part is again, going back to the fact that they don't have a lot of these like quality <laughs> factors and like quality, like sense of quality yet. Um, those downloads don't really need to be like organic downloads. They can be paid downloads too. Um, and a lot of times you'll see that, um, you know, companies who are really deeply invested into their apps will actually shoot a bunch of uh, paid downloads um, to the store every time they do a release. And then they'll actually see like a, a pretty um, quick blip in category ranking. So it's it's also really different in that in that uh, it's really fast. Like the feedback time is really fast. Whereas like SEO, sometimes, you know, you build, you build, you build and build. And you don't see anything for a long time, but you know you're doing the right things and you just haven't hit that tipping point yet. For ASO, you get like immediate feedback. Um, yeah. So it's then, yep. Yeah. So iOS though, I would say is a little bit more tricky too, just because you need to actually update the app title and descriptions and keywords with, um, with a release. Google play is actually a little bit more flexible and a little bit uh, more advanced and that like they, uh, have like a subtitle field that's like visible. They like, you know, use your title. You are actually able to A-B test creative inside of their platform for free, which is amazing. Um, because if you compare it to uh, products like StoreMaven that lets you do like paid A-B testing for iOS, uh, it's it's really cool to have an A-B testing platform that's like telling you like, oh, this test was the winner. It's like StatSig. Like that's, pr that's pretty cool to have that built in and have it be like absolutely free. Um, the only unfortunate thing is like it's for Android users, which again... <laughs> tend to not be most people's like focus just because like they're right. usually chasing the dollars. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting about Google is Google play is they also consider backlinks. So kind of like traditional SEO. Um, and then they also consider like what's in the app description. But honestly, I would say like, as far as like optimizing for the app description, it's very old school at SEO. I literally throw it into like a keyword density checker. Like, <laughs> which is the only time it's a professional SEO I yeah. ever use, like a keyword density tool. I literally count how many times they say the keyword in the whoever's ranking top, and I just make sure I say it like one more time. And if you have enough downloads, you literally will start ranking for that keyword. It is it's like pretty amazing. <laughs> it sounds like optimizing in a time machine. Well, I mean, it's so interesting because I actually. <laughs> I went to like an ASO conference once and granted, like there's other, to be fair, there's other things that ASO practitioners like look at, um, you know, and they tend to be very deeply involved in like 
you know, like apps deep linking. So they're, they're definitely technical, but when it comes to like the content piece, like the essentially like almost like content SEO version of ASO, that's something that we've already like seen the entire evolution of as SEO. So we have such like a big bird's eye view of not only like what's going on in immediately in front of us, but like where it'll go once these like kind of spammy tactics, frankly, stop working. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, but like, for example, like I went to an ASO conference and the guy was like, yeah, if you put, um, the, if you put the, the non-brand word inside of your product name, then you're more likely to rank for that non-brand term. And I'm like, like, like for us, come on, exact match domains. Like we've been doing this for yeah. years. <laughs> uh, so, so for, for when it comes to the content piece, um, it's really easy for the SEO person to step in. There are other, like I said, other um, nuances. Like there's a lot of engagement metrics too. Like they look at uninstall gates, uninstall rates, uh, re-engagement rates. Like are you opening apps, uh, ratings and things like that. But as far as just the content piece, I think it's something that most SEO people could could fairly easily pick up. It has a lot of this, a lot of crossover. <laughs> are there any tools like, you know, SEMrush or Ahrefs type mm. of tools for ASO and also like the reporting aspect of that. I mean, mm. are there, I'm sure the app stores give you numbers, but a lot of times I, yeah. I'm just knowing like, <laughs> yeah, people's like just businesses that give you numbers are, are very like, you know, crude. Are there tools out there that actually track that better than the, you know, the, the, the app stores give you? Yeah, definitely. So I think, from like a keyword research perspective, I tend to use um, kind of more like app specific tools. So there's, I would say like the popular ones are like Sensor Tower, uh, AppTweak. I, I personally really love AppTweak. It's it's pretty cheap. I think it's like 70 something bucks a month. And you can track a lot of keywords in like all your different countries. So very, very similar to like normal like SEO keyword tracking tools. Um, the other thing I love about AppTweak is that they actually estimate uh, how many downloads are attributed to any single keyword. Um, that's particularly nice because the problem, one of the main issues with ASO from like a reporting perspective is like showing the value of any one non-brand keyword is really difficult because your one app page ranks for all these different keywords. So how can you say that like, oh, this is the keyword that drove this? Because as an SEO person, if I do work against, you know, the point of sale page, we start ranking higher for the word point of sale. That brings in more traffic, which brings in revenue. Like that's an easy correlation to make. But, you know, the, the, the inner analyst who sees this data that's like, oh, well, we started ranking for this one keyword that drove how many more downloads? They're going to be like, how do you know that's not because like of these other keywords or like more brand search or things like that? You know, there's, there's less uh, granularity. So I really like one thing that AppTweak does, which is they estimate it based off of the search volume of the keyword uh, and then how high you rank. Uh, and then whether the word is branded or non-branded, because they know if it's a branded search term, um, you're going to, you know, have a higher percentage of downloads than non-brand. And so I love that they like already do that for you in a really thoughtful way for like 70 bucks a month. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Or Annie. Appany is a really popular one, but honestly, it's out of reach for most people unless it's enterprise. It's very much enterprise price point and and, and an enterprise tool. I'm, I'm a huge fan of AppTweak. I think AppTweak is better in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean it's interesting. You know, I think I've heard of App Annie, um, but I was just kind of checking out the um that other one, the app tweak one. It seems very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now I just need to get an app so I can uh, so I can play with it. <laughs> app <laughs> Luckily, Annie is might... really Oh go ahead. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, App Annie is really good from like a competitor insights standpoint, just because pretty much every single major app company in the world uses App Annie and so they use it to um provide like 
kind of like estimated download numbers and metrics. And this is where I'm like, this is kind of like where a lot of the ASO people tend to focus. Uh, it's things in like those uh, re-engagement metrics. So they they extrapolate a bunch of like uh, engagement metrics for different apps. And like, I think people like to use that a lot. So that's like kind of where AppAnity stands out. They just have more data. So they're able to do that with higher fidelity. But it's still all an estimation. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good though. Um, I mean, it's better than nothing, right? So it's... Mm. Um, so what kind of advice would you give someone who has to like balance both traditional SEO and ASO? Yeah. So I definitely have, have, um, I, I definitely think of ASO as being not as demanding as SEO. Um, probably because okay. again, I'm not really following, I, I, I approach it as an SEO practitioner. I don't approach it as an ASO practitioner and you're only releasing at most like every other week. So it's, it's really not the same like level of effort too, just because you're not, you don't have to worry about like t- the technical SEO. You don't need to worry about like what web framework are we using or like, oh, we're going to have a migration. You're really only focused on these like few levers. And so in a way it's magical because it's again, so responsive and gratifying in a way that sometimes SEO cannot, like, I really feel like you have to be a glutton for punishment um, for it to do SEO. But for me, I've been able to skirt by with like focusing on one or two apps for like maybe like half a day of time. And again, it's because you're just, I kind of frame it in the same way that I do like a lot of my SEO work. So it's its a little easier for me to like tie into my work stream. Um, but for SEO, that's definitely much more of like the bread and butter in enterprise, just because in enterprise, you know, there's a lot going on <laughs> with these sites at any given point in time. So I just personally tend to focus more on, on SEO. And for me, ASO is definitely just like a, fun learning opportunity um and a really great way to leverage your seo skills for like a new channel sweet i had one last question on it was so the one thing you mentioned too is about like when you are relaunching an app or or you know updating it that there would be like a paid component to it mm-hmm. and in my head i'm like thinking paid search right off the top of my head but i'm like wait is there i guess there's paid placements within the mm-hmm. apps yeah would make sense yeah, yeah so there's I mean, like this so there's like Apple search ads and stuff, which is just like, you know, the same thing as like, you know, Google search ads. So um, those are, yeah, they tend to perform pretty well too. So, you know, most of the companies I've been at like are really big fans. I wonder if they have that in the podcast app, Jake, we can. Yeah. The funny thing about one SEO podcast. everything that you're saying, I think also applies to the podcasting space with respect to optimizing. And we found, especially after like, we realize like we do not rank for SEO podcasts. We literally the and and we still don't rank high. <laughs> we still don't rank super high, but we've been like slowly working our way up and working our way into the Google uh, carousel. Quite honestly, you have to put the word SEO podcast yeah. for the most part in your SEO podcast. Uh, and and the thing that we found interesting also is that there are a lot of other SEO podcasts that are, um, they're old and they're not, they're not up to date. So I think that, um, you know, thinking of like Google podcasts and Apple podcasts and all of the podcast platform algorithms, uh, they might still be a little bit more rudimentary and not necessarily Mm -hmm. as, uh, as advanced, very similar to app store, um, with respect to how you can attempt to optimize for them. And my hope is that they they look at some point at episode velocity, the number of uh, episodes you're publishing, because, you know, when in our research, we've certainly seen podcasts ahead of ours that um, 
may have been a thing four years ago that just don't publish anymore that are still still ranking well and i would assume still getting uh, a fair yep. number of listens even though the content is uh not quite fresh so i think they yeah. will like i said i think i think as an seo person um we can appreciate how complicated search mm-hmm. is uh people definitely underestimate like how difficult it is to build search from scratch and i think over time, you know, especially thanks to like the spammers, <laughs> like we've all we've all been there. All of us are like low key mm-hmm. spammers, all kind of shades of gray. Um, but I think it is natural that over time, you know, the spammy tactics will stop working. They'll start to uh, care more about things like, to your point, like freshness. You know, which is why um, like queer deserve freshness like started happening, right? Um, yeah. And quality metrics, like okay, these people tend to like uh, get a lot of downloads, even though they're not like you know that not even though they haven't been around for as long they maybe don't have like uh the most reviews but they're getting like an increase in velocity of reviews i think that those things are like naturally do happen over time they're just not there yet (laughs) yeah i i agree uh and i would say and i want to move on to twitter questions because we have seven uh but i i i think i'm i'm gonna predict and i predicted last uh episode since we're all coming out with our 2021 predictions i don't think this will happen in 2021 but maybe 2022, 2023, uh, search engines will start going directly into not just YouTube videos, but podcast audio and pulling that stuff out and ranking it in search results. So this particular episode about app store optimization may someday rank for app store optimization if what <laughs> I think will happen uh, comes uh, comes true where they start transcribing podcast audio since pod the, the barrier to entry with podcasting and they're already starting to do that uh, with YouTube videos is very 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 low it's very easy to be a creator now let's hope that ASO ASO app store optimization app store right. optimization I'm just, yes I'm just keyword stuffing yes. this video right now <laughs> exactly that's and that's what SEOs are going to start doing in a couple of years uh, just talking, talking like robots. Oh, all right. So let's jump into the Twitter questions. So we've got seven questions. Uh, And again, thank you to everybody who submitted questions. We are going to award a free page two podcast t-shirt. And I do want to, uh, to qualify again. uh, If you are the winner, we would really, really like it if when you get your uh, your piece of merch, take a picture and tag the at page two podcast handle. We would love to see it uh, for whatever reason. Not sure why uh, that has not been happening. And we are certainly glad that people are getting our merch. They definitely are getting our merch. We would love to see you rocking the merch. So please, uh, if you're the winner, rock the merch, tag us uh, and post a picture on Twitter. Um, okay. So our first question comes from new follower and new listener, uh, Mike Ginley, at Mike Ginley SEO. Uh, Any tips on managing an SEO team and delegating work? How to start when, uh, apologies here, yeah, how to start when you are used to handling everything and now need to rely on others to accomplish the same work? Okay, so I think my, uh, I think this is a mixture of both like leadership plus SEO. So Oopsie, sorry, I muted myself. Uh, it's really important as a leader that you need to delegate. You need to delegate. If you do not delegate, you're not going to be seen as a strong leader. So you need to learn how to delegate, uh, even though it's really hurt. It's it's like very scary and painful. Um, because I, the reason why I think it's so scary and painful is like SEO is a performance function. 
Like you need to be able to drive growth. So I think the most important thing to do is to look at the work you have and to look at the like talent you have and make sure that people are taking on projects that are actually like suitable for their talents and like where they are. You know, some people are better at tech SEO. Some people are better at content SEO. It's much better to like silo off those functions and like have them like own that coverage area than like try to get everyone to do like a little bit of everything if they're like not doing some a very good job of something. Um, And, uh, you know, as far as like trying to make sure that the work quality is really high, honestly, for a really big project, I think the most important thing you can do is just like have like check-ins and be really looking at the documentation. Everything from like when you first give them a project, ask them how they're thinking about it, try to guide their thinking, then be like, okay, every week just check, like, hey, just want to check in on your like PRD, um, you know, check in like how things are going staging. Like, did you schedule QA? Uh, did you schedule time for QA? I think just like making sure there's a lot of check-ins will allow you to um, give them enough space to be doing the work and you're hopefully not micromanaging them, but then also making sure that like the right thing is delivered for the business. And if you see something, you need to say something. I know that that's like difficult to do because you don't want to you know, feel like you're micromanaging, but if they're making a mistake, you need to say something. And the important thing to do is like, just do it in private. Like don't, you don't need to call them out in front of other people. Um, but you really, that's like the best way to like guard real. It's to make sure that you're checking in as they're doing their work and not when it's like productionalized and you realize you, they've already blown it. But just like, you know, being a good manager, just do it offline, praise in public, uh, praise in public, uh, give feedback in private. That's great advice. Great advice for sure. Um, second question from Christina Azarenko at Azar Chick, also a season three, page two podcast guest. Uh, so very excited to to hear from her. Uh, and this is actually more of a, a, not a question, more of a statement. Uh, and it's very complimentary. So, uh, and it's, and I'm going to try to read it uh, as I'm imagining her saying it. Oh, at Jackie C. Chu. Uh, is a master of soft skills, master of soft skills, uh, to communicate SEO to devs so that it's implemented. It's not a question, but a whole topic. I'd love to hear about it some more. S'more. Uh, so I'm going to, I'll just, I'll take that a little further and ask the question, what's your best advice for communicating with devs? Oh, soft skill, I should say. Uh, I would say the best advice I would have is build a relationship with them and in the way that you're asking them to do like work for you um, that might be not be directly in their scope, like they're not responsible for the SEO KPI. You should be doing work for them that's not in their scope to help them understand why are they doing this and like what is the impact of this work. Like for example, um, I often will make decks that are literally just for my dev team to say like, hey, this is like the impact of SEO. This is what we're looking at. Um, and that's like really helpful for them to understand uh, what they need to do and like what they need to look out for. And it's often appreciated. And like that deck, my leadership is never going to see it. You know, my boss is never going to see it. But I think it's a really important step for like to, like me take my time um, and to like build that uh, relationship with them. And like it also kind of like makes yourself look like the subject matter expert, right? Like they can see like, oh, this person isn't just like an idiot who like hit and runs me with tickets, which I think a lot of times people do. It's like they just like hit and run this person with tickets and then never say anything, no follow up. <laughs> and I think that that's like not a good way to build a relationship. So I think when like educate them, but then also um, letting them know their impact to their work. Every dev I've ever worked with wants to do really impactful work and they can actually do that through you and with you. So just like following up with them after they've implemented something to say like, hey, we saw this great lift, letting their boss know too that, that you know, they contributed to this thing that had business impact. I think that's like 
a great way to build a relationship with someone who's like a, a cross-functional partner who in reality has like very little obligation to help you. So I always try to keep in the back of my mind, like how do you incentivize this person to, to, to help you? And it's like treating them as a human, but then also, um, you know, when they help you, you help them too. Absolutely. Um, third question. Uh, I guess we're, we're going to play a little bit of matchmaker here. So from Daniel K. Chung, <laughs> at Daniel K. Chung. <laughs> not that way. Uh, at, so Daniel runs the Make SEO Simple Again uh, podcast. And Daniel's an upcoming guest uh, on our podcast uh, here in season three. So uh, first off, hooray, love Jackie. P.S. Can you pitch me to her? P.P.S. I swear I'm just stealing your guest list. How SEO of me. So Daniel, nice Jackie. Your content. Yeah, Daniel, Jackie, Jackie, Daniel. Uh, if Jackie wants to be on your podcast, I'm sure, uh, I don't know, you guys, you guys figure Verbal it out. Yes. This is the connection. There you go. Verbal yes. All right. So <laughs> you, you've got a verbal. Uh, okay. Question number four comes from Bobby at Worcester Media. And I'm just going to, uh, uh, a shout out to Bobby. Bobby is from a, a town, literally 20 minutes. And I'm from like literally small town, rural America, a place called Crestline. Bobby is from Worcester. Worcester is like 20 minutes from Crestline. Bobby is the only other SEO person that I've ever met in North Central Ohio uh, ever in my life. I didn't know another SEO person existed. So Bobby is the first one that I've connected with on Twitter. So shout out to Bobby. Uh, go North Central Ohio uh, hometown. Uh, anyways, so Bobby asks, and it's at Bobby Warren WMG. Uh, my foray into SEO foray into SEO was learning to audit small websites for businesses and bloggers. What are her responsibilities when it comes to doing SEO for larger companies, and what kinds of experiences will help someone land a job at a large company? So as far as like responsibilities, I mean, the reality is for really big enterprise sites, a lot of times what you're doing is you're trying to do SEO best practices and like bake them into your CMS or platforms to make them uh, mistake proof. So things like how to handle metadata, uh, how to handle schema at, at scale, uh, making sure your sitemaps are up to date and accurate. It sounds like a really simple thing to do, but honestly, when you're dealing with, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe a million pages, half a million pages. It's actually, that's run, that are run across several different services or like hreflang, hreflang across oh like, you know, multiple CMSs and different, like there's different business requirements for each of the country. You can't show these pages due to like legal compliance. Um, doing very simple things at scale is actually pretty difficult and <laughs> involves a lot of stakeholders, involves a lot of buy-in. So I would say very, very few large scale companies are actually really doing like bleeding edge SEO. And I would say like the ones that are, are ones like, you know, tri like TripAdvisor that already have this like very strong, like foundational um, SEO already done. And so now they're just thinking of like, you know, optimizations on top of that. Um, as far as like experiences that'll help someone land a job at a large company, I think, you know, it's obviously easier like once you've worked at a big company to go to another big company. Uh, but I would say the thing that I would recommend is, um, one way you could do that is you could work for an agency that has big clients. So then you can say like, I've worked on like staples or whatever through this agency. And then the other thing I would keep in mind is um, as long as you've worked on a site of scale, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for because doing SEO when you as the SEO person are like plugging words into a CMS yourself and working with the editor is not at all going to be your experience at like an enterprise company. So you're going to really have to learn like how, like, how to build like CMSs, um, how to, you know, optimize like photo delivery. Like these things are so different at a uh, large scale. And I really think um, 
the other thing to know though is that even though these are big companies that are awesome and you know there's a lot of people in there that want to work for them um they're still having a hard time finding seo talent so if you are someone who can prove that you know how to work on a big site whether it's like a site that a lot of people are familiar with just say like hey i worked on a big site um, we drove this business metrics through SEO. I can't even tell you how many of the resumes I look at where they don't talk at all about business metrics. I'm like, if you are an SEO person applying for anything other than entry-level position and you don't say once, like what was the like year-over-year increase in uh, dollars you brought in? Like I, you're an instant no for me. So I actually think that if you are, if you're able to say like, clearly articulate the business value you brought to a business that already makes you stand out. And I think will help you uh, kind of like break in. <laughs> that is great one, advice. Yeah. That is one thing I liked about your LinkedIn. Uh, and I also don't see people taking that approach with uh, resumes as well, but you took it to your LinkedIn, Jackie. And I thought I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which no one cares about ranking positions except SEOs. All they care about yeah. is those dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, and work, working at agencies is always tough to talk about those dollars because you know usually you're in Can't the NDA, you for so. which client. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. But you can put it on your resume. Uh, anyway, you year over year yep. increase. Yeah. There you can. Year over yeah, year growth. Can. Yeah. Uh, fifth <laughs> question comes from Wade Saunders at Heels Four Corners, one of my colleagues. Uh, the obvious question would be. How is SEO different for a company with enormous brand recognition? No backlink building, which is amazing. Yep. Oh, like, yes. if, like if you work at a big company and, and granted, okay, you know what? I have definitely had bosses. They were generally not SEO people who like were like, you need a backlink strategy. And I just did it because that was not the hill that I wanted to die on. Um, but if the, anytime I hear like enterprise SEO and if one of the things they talk about a lot is like a backlink strategy, I'm just like, I highly doubt that that's like the most important thing that's going on with your site right now. Like, is that like, in, in every single analysis I've ever seen for like, what ROI does backlink building bring for like these really big sites? It has never t- turned out to have like a positive correlation. So, so yeah, so no backlink building is probably my favorite one. And then again, hopping to like, how do you scale SEO best practices into whatever platform you're using is the other one. And I would add on to that with the backlink building. If you're doing backlink building for a very big brand, like there's, it's really, really difficult to scale up to the level that you would need yeah. to make an impact. Like how the, there's only one way to do it and it's spam, right? That's uh, unless I'm just missing the boat. Maybe I am. Doubt I, I doubt I am though. So our last question comes from Mark Alves, uh, a guest also from season three at Mark Alves on Twitter. Hi, Jackie. Uh, You once ran a spirited poll asking women the gender of their greatest SEO mentor. Lots of discussions and misinterpretations ensued. What did the response feel like at the time? And what questions should we be asking today about mentors? And this was the question earlier in the episode that I was referring to that literally could probably be its own entire episode. Uh, So I'm going to let Jackie answer, but I'm like, we could probably have a whole episode about this, I would say. (laughs) Uh, this is kind of why I was rushing through the previous questions because I was like, I really want to get to this yeah, one yeah. because I, I kind of held it in on Twitter. Um, but it was really interesting to me, like how much it took off. So as context, the reason why I had asked this question was because I was giving like, I want to say I was like giving some shit to uh, one of the other leads that I worked with. So he had a um, analytics team. So like a technical function. Uh, and he had, I think at the time, like six or seven direct reports and not a single woman. And I was like kind of joking with him, but like joking and being serious. I was like, 
like you guys are a little homogenous, don't you think? <laughs> just like a little bit. Um, and he was like, he, he was like, oh, it's just like you know the applicants. And then he was like kind of quiet. And then he kind of admitted to me. He's like, hey, you know, I just like I feel weird being one on one with women sometimes. And like I understand that. Like I can I can I can understand why people sometimes feel weird because like I've also been in, in situations and like where people take it as like a place of like workplace gossip to talk about like oh what do you do you think something's happening between blah 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 like I just think that um I just think that you know it's really unfortunate that maybe like some men like just do like feel uncomfortable like mentoring women and like you know being in a one-on-one situation with them and so I just thought it was really sad personally because um when I think about the person who's been the most impactful to like my SEO life it was a man and had he have been nervous to you know mentor me and like you know take one-on-one walks with me and um give me feedback again in private, uh, I, I would not have the career I did today. So the reason why I did that poll was because I wanted people to see that like you could be that person that could change someone, the course of someone's life. Like you shouldn't wait for another woman to like mentor a woman. If you see someone who has like potential, um, like you should nurture that and like, you know, no matter their gender. And it was really interesting to me because I think most women understood that. I think most women understood, um, what I was asking, which is like, what gender did your mentor happen to be? I forget the exact wording I used, but I was like, if you had a men- an SEO mentor, um, were they like a man or a woman? Uh, or do they identify as like a male or female? Uh, and, you know, some people, some people gave the answer of like, oh, I didn't have one, which I was like, oh, it's like, okay, fine. Um, and most of the women understood where I was coming from, which was like, what gender did they happen to be? But then it just kind of turned, <laughs> I had like a lot of responses from people that were like, why does it matter? Like women make great mentors too. I was like, it was really weird though. Cause it mostly did not come from women. Like so, there wasn't a single woman who replied to that and, and took it that way. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, did the people who like got a little bit more negative were, were they mostly men or were they women or were, you know, I, what was the breakdown of that? Well, it's funny. It's, they were for the most part male. <laughs> and this is yeah. actually something where I, really appreciated both Martin and Gary because they actually responded to that um, tweet. And one of the nice things that Martin had said too was, um, was uh, he's like, well, none of us are women in SEO. So maybe we should just like let them respond. (laughs) And I really appreciated that. And I think a lot of of the other ladies uh, on SEO did too, just because um, it, it was, it was very telling of, of, you know, like this tweet was directly not towards you. And I just got all these opinions, but where it was really coming from was I wanted people to see like, look, it probably, like, it probably is just because the demographics and SEO too, you know, at large, it's, there's probably a minority of women. And that is probably mm-hmm. why um, most women's mentor or like most impactful SEO figure in their life has been a male. But what I wanted to do was hopefully for guys to see that and feel like empowered, like I could be that person to change someone's life. And even better if in the future, like you do that poll again in five years and um, many women are mentored by like other women too. Like that's of course my hope, but I just wanted people to see that they could be the change that they wanted to see in the world. And if they ever have this like thought in the back of their head of like, um, like, oh, you know, I feel weird. You know, what if I'm not going to be able to relate to her? Like you could be that person that's going to change the course of somebody's life. And so I hope that if you have the opportunity to, to do that, that you, you take it. 
the interesting thing, and Jeff, you may know this person, I would say early on in my career, especially on the agency side, the first time I was at a big agency was at a place called Rosetta. My mentor and the most badass person there was a woman. And her name was <laughs> Allison Dooley. She doesn't even do SEO anymore. She was a yeah. total badass. Uh, <laughs> and she was definitely a, a huge, huge influence on me, really helped me feel comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. and navigate uh, navigate the, the, the world that I was in, which was, you know, being in like a truly large agency at that uh, at that time and dealing with a lot of personalities and dealing with a massive million dollar project and that she had managed beautifully for many, many years and trying to transition it to me and me trying to not have her amazing work go completely off the rails immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's abnormal for, um, you know, one of my favorite people ever. Allison, she's amazing. Yeah, I wish she's great. I, I doubt she's listening, but if you are, Allison, you were an amazing influence on me, and I thank you. Um, <laughs> but to go back to to the point that Jackie was making, like I guess I don't. I've never really thought of it that way to ask the question of what gender was my my mentor or somebody that was really important to me. Maybe I just don't think that way. Um, but I do think it's a really important question because I think people who can have an influence on you come in many different shapes, sizes from many different backgrounds. Um, and hopefully people are open to, to on the mentee side, open to that, open to listening to other perspectives and on the mentor side, open to not being afraid to mentor or, or give guidance to somebody because you have a different skin color or you're a different gender or, or you're a different age. Right. Um, I think we talked about it with Mark, um, you know, the coming in from his perspective, being something, uh, being someone that was obviously coming at it from, uh, being older, um, the tendency might be to, to, to look down on, on younger people. And I think one of the things he shared was just how much that he was able to, to really change his perspective and um, learn that those people uh, you can learn from them as somebody that's older. And of course the younger people can learn from older people who have more time and experience and so on and so forth. So anyways, that was a tangent. Uh, that is a great question. Uh, probably should was a great question led with that question. Uh, I did have one be- quick thing. Sure. Yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then like, uh, I want to, address the the last thing um mark said which is which, what questions should we be asking today about mentors oh yeah good. i think that yeah the, i think the question that i would hope people would ask and like see from from that you know graph um is like what impact can you make on someone's life and i think sometimes mentorship can feel like so overwhelming you're like i don't have time like i i barely have time like feel like i have enough time to like shower and like wear like real pants these days you know but like you don't need to like save the world, right? And like boil the ocean. Like, is there just like like just one person? Like, all you need to really change is like one person's life. And like, it doesn't even need to be like a forever commitment. I really think that, um, you know, I feel like I've been so lucky. I've had such a good life. But I also really think like if you want to keep what you have, you have to be willing to like give away. And that's really like how I approach mentorship and like think about you know taking on um, people who might be more junior than me. It's that you can. Re- 
it's like uh you can really be like a really big catalyst in somebody's life and you don't need to be a part of their life forever in order to have been that catalyst especially with seo i think seo is so special and that the people who really excel in seo are the people who are actually challenged very early on on like what seo can even be it's the people who realize early on that they're not an expert they're never going to be an expert um it's so much more you know deep than something like tf idf <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, and so i really think that like if you can be the catalyst just challenge how that person thinks very early on you can be like a very um impactful force in their life and i really think that that's someone that like everyone uh can do no matter their their gender or race or size or age absolutely so let's uh let's pick a winner so we've got uh, Mike with managing and delegating. We've got Christina with communicating to devs. We've got Daniel with the connection, uh, being on his pod, whatever, being on his podcast. Maybe we've got Bobby uh, on, let's see, uh, getting a job at a larger company and manage, managing large sites. We got, we've got Wade with uh, dealing with enormous brand recognition and Mark with mentorship. So who is the lucky winner this week? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say Mark just because I was really excited to respond to that question because, again, I'm, this is something I'm very deeply passionate about uh, just because I know myself, I was so impacted by, um, you know, mentorship, even though the person was not in my life for that long. So uh, yeah. I'm really big believer that um, I'm really big believer that I changes lives. So thanks, Mark, for giving me yeah. my, my, my soapbox platform. It's fortunately that Mark asked that. That was a great question. Uh, and that's the type of conversation that we like to have on this podcast. So Mark, you are now the first two-time winner. Congratulations, two-time winner. I think we gave him a sweatshirt or a sticker way back in the day. Now he gets a t-shirt. Uh, so Mark, if you're listening, we'll be reaching out to you to get your uh, t-shirt in the mail. Uh, so Jeff, why don't you take the episode home? So we like to ask our guests one final question, and that is always, what words of advice would you give a person just getting into SEO today? Be afraid of experts. <laughs> I, there Love is it. not a single SEO person I admire and learn from every day who would ever refer to themselves as an expert. Actually, like I, for the most part, try to hide from people who like, write expert in their LinkedIn or like not even accept them because I'm like, this person already doesn't have the mindset of how I want to like learn and grow in this field. So be very afraid of experts. No, you are not an expert. There's always gonna be someone who is better, knows more about something and deeper in a way that like you cannot even imagine to like be able to think about it. So don't be an expert and you will, you will get far. I always hated when salespeople would introduce you that way at a call. At oh God. Here's our SEO guru. And I'm like, oh, I'm like a rock star yeah. ninja. Yeah, <laughs> I especially hate that. Like, please don't call me a rock star. Don't call me a guru. Don't even call me an expert. Like, it just makes me super uncomfortable. Please stop. It, <laughs> it, I, I switched experts my in-office. <laughs> I switched my in-office. Like, it gives you your title, and I always just switch it to SEO dude. Because it's dude, just like, dude. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't care about my position, my level. I'm just an SEO guy. You know? so, uh, you're like the big Lebowski, the dude. Yeah, the dude. All right. Uh, so Jackie, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter as Jackie C. Chu. Um, yeah, or you can hang out with me on LinkedIn. I think I'm like Jackie C. One or something like that. Uh, I should pop up. <laughs> you, awesome. you have a personal website as well, which is how I reached out, out to you. 
Uh, oh, JackieCChu.com. So there you go. Go check out her personal website uh, <laughs> as well. And of course, uh, download the Uber app, download the Square app, visit the website as much as you can. Don't be like me. I only interact with the app. Uh, so visit the website. And, and or uh, Uber Eats. Uber Eats too. <laughs> Uber Eats. Uber Eats. Get that food awesome. delivery in. Yes. Yes. Um, all right, Jackie, thank you uh, so much for coming on. This was another, uh, another great episode and we really, really uh, appreciated your, uh, your candidness and it was just a great conversation. So thank you. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the page two podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, You can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.